0: Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Seta. If you're anything like me, I know you're ready for the return of in-person conferences. I'll personally be attending two meetings this fall and hope to bring you a couple of episodes from these events. First, the Mother of Pearls Conference will be September 9th through 11th at the Mall of America outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Of course, this event will feature the all-orthodontist group, relapse. And in October, I'll be attending the always legendary Orthopreneurs Summit. Orthopreneurs will be in Denver, Colorado this year from October 7th through 10th. I'm sure Dr. Glenn Krieger has some epic surprises in store for everyone, and you simply don't want to miss this fantastic event. So I hope to reconnect with you at one of these meetings this fall. If we haven't officially been introduced, I would love to meet you there. Now, without further ado, we're on to this brand new episode.
1: Several patients come in for consultation and say, hey, I made an appointment for a consultation because I saw you on Instagram and I like your personality. We're really choosing you because you're relatable. It's interesting how marketing has turned into something completely different nowadays.
0: I'm Dr. Chris Setta, and I'm shining a light on the innovators of our profession. Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. On today's show, my guest is Dr. Patrice Smith. Today, I'm so excited to feature the first of many female orthodontists I hope to have on the show. If you don't recognize her name, Dr. Patrice Smith-Baker is a rising star in our profession. Also known as the unorthodox, Patrice's social media and blog posts immediately resonated with me, and I'm thrilled to finally get her on the podcast. Not only has Patrice developed her own personal brand, but she uses her inspirational voice to empower other black female entrepreneurs through her social media. Patrice recently established her own practice, Infinity Orthodontics in Washington DC, where we recorded this interview. She also has a side hustle she started back in dental school that we'll have to illuminate. Well, welcome to the podcast, Patrice. How are you today?
1: I am wonderful, Chris. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, of course. (laughs) I, I have to mention this is actually take two of the podcast because... We sort of had a recording snafu yesterday where the mic was on, but it was not recording. My worst podcasting nightmare come true. So (laughs) Patrice was lovely enough to meet me again early this morning. We're recording this at about eight in the morning. Uh, So instead of a cocktail, we are enjoying coffee right now. Uh, Previously, we were at the uh, W Hotel in downtown Washington, D.C., which has this panoramic scenic view of the Washington Monument and I think you can even see the White House in the background there
1: and the Jefferson Memorial yeah Yeah.
0: and we got um, kicked off the roof once again so I am now uh, retired (laughs) from recording any podcasts on the roof ever again (laughs) sent down to the lobby which was noisy and then we ended up recording the rest of the lost podcast in the room so thank you for having me today we're at your (laughs) gorgeous apartment complex here in downtown D.C.
1: It's okay. It all works out, right? There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Positive thinking.
0: Positive thinking. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yesterday we were chatting a little bit about you growing up in the beautiful island of Jamaica.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know, but I was born in Jamaica. I grew up there, and I only migrated to the United States when I turned 18. And so, I did all of my childhood, you know, back home. Growing up... My parents were small business owners, you know, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. My dad owned a chain of supermarkets. And so I kind of always seen my parents in a kind of ownership boss uh, space. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, um, from an early age, decided that that's the direction I wanted to go in. You know, at some point when I became an adult, I was going to be an owner or a boss like my parents were. And so eventually that became a reality, for me, um, because I just recently became a practice owner in September of 2020.
0: Yeah, and congratulations on that. We're going to dive into that in a little bit. So what was life like growing up in Jamaica?
1: Oh, man, I am from a small part of the country. It's right in the middle of the country. It's called The parish is called Manchester, and mm-hmm. I'm from Mandeville. And a lot of people always ask me, so where is that close to? And I always say, you know, it's about an hour away from Kingston, cause mm-hmm. most people know Kingston, right? Of course. And about two hours from Montego Bay. The closest beach is about 45 minutes away. Which is pretty far, uh, I would think. I mean, it wasn't far to us. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we'd go on the weekends, you know, hang out at the beach. The closest one is in the parish of St. Elizabeth, mm-hmm. Treasure Beach, and it's just about 45 minutes away. Gotcha. So and can you put on out. a
0: Jamaican accent if you really have to?
1: Oh, yeah. It's on... Pretty Come on, much. let's let's hear a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I would have to be talking to somebody who's actually Jamaican, like my so mom. So then you can turn it on. I, get, I can I turn you. it on. Yeah. People say I don't
0: have much of a New Jersey accent, but you yeah, actually it comes don't. Out in certain scenarios. So at a certain point, you left the island, I believe. Right? Was that yep. during college?
1: Yeah, I went through high school. I started college at 16 years old, and I did two years. I did um, an associate degree in dental hygiene. Mm-hmm. And then I ended around 18 years old. And that's when I decided to migrate to the United States because I wanted to attend dental school. Mm. At the time, there were no dental schools on the island. Now there are two. And so if there were dental schools on the island at the time when I wanted to, I probably would have been home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We probably wouldn't have met each other. (laughs) But, you know, I probably would have stayed in Jamaica. But I wanted to go to dental school. And so I ended up migrating, attending Medgar Evers College in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. And then going to Howard University for dental school and residency.
0: Great. So what brought you to New York City? Did you just randomly pick New York? or
1: Well, I'll tell you. Um, my mom actually was in New York City already. Um, she had migrated when I was in high school. That was yeah. after my mom and dad had split. my mm-hmm. mom migrated to New York. She was already here. And so I have to give you a little bit of a backstory. In high school, that's kind of when we choose the track that we want to go into. Mm -hmm. And by track, I mean, that's when we kind of choose the kind of career slash field we want to go into. And I chose a business track because, well, my parents were business owners. And I just always thought I was going to take over the family business. Mm -hmm. And when I started college, I started as a business major. And my first semester was terrible. It was horrible. I sucked at it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I got C's. And so I told my dad, I don't think I like this. I don't think I want to do you know, business administration as a major. And so he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to go into dentistry. Because at the time, I, we had a family friend who was a dentist. And I had gone to his office to shadow. And so I really liked what I saw. I resonated with what he does. His office seemed so fun. You know, I just saw people come in in pain and then they left with a completely new attitude and he really impacted people's lives mm-hmm. in a way that I felt like I wanted to. And so that kind of encouraged me to go in that direction. And fun fact about that particular doctor, Dr. Mark Edwards, at the time mm-hmm. he was the program director for the dental hygiene program at the university that I started with in Jamaica, Northern Caribbean University. Mm-hmm. And so he helped me to get into the dental hygiene program while having business subjects, which is kind of unheard of. And so I had to do my science subjects in tandem with the dental hygiene program, because my university had a pre-college. So I had to do my chemistry, my biology, my physiology, all that stuff while doing dental hygiene.
0: Wow. So you sort of did like a dual track, basically.
1: Pretty much. Pretty much. pretty intense. It was intense. It was an intense two years, and it it was an associate's degree. Mm. But I did them both pretty much in tandem together.
0: Do you think having that a little bit of uh, business training was helpful later on with your practice.
1: You know, my dad jokes now and he says, "Aren't you happy that I brought you into the family business really early so now you know how to run a business?" <laughs> and I say, "You know what, you know growing up you never really appreciate, you know what you have until, you know until you become an adult and you start to actually implement those things that you you're taught as a kid." Mm-hmm. And so yeah, now I'm appreciative. My like, yeah. thanks, Dad.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See, he steered you in the right direction. He steered me
1: in the right direction, and you know, growing up, he always doled out a bit of tough love. He always talked about mediocrity and how, you know, anytime I got a B on a report card, he said, "There's no room in this world for mediocrity. You got to do better. All A's next time."
0: <laughs> so. So he was tough.
1: He was tough, but um, hey, I turned out fine, I guess.
0: <laughs> there you go. So it was all worth it. In the
1: end. It was all worth it in the end. I'd say so.
0: Now is dad still in Jamaica?
1: Dad is still in Jamaica. He's actually coming to visit tomorrow.
0: Oh, is he? Yeah. That's he's coming awesome. to
1: he's actually coming to see he's not coming to see me, he's coming to see my newborn. <laughs> he's coming to visit Braxton.
0: <laughs> see, that's what it is. The grandchild.
1: Yep. It's oh, all about the grandchild now.
0: Awesome. So speaking of uh, DC, which we're here today, so what was dental school like at Howard? Oh, wow. Dental School
1: at Howard. How do you describe it? You know, my class, we were a family unit. You know, it was really, really nice because it's an HBCU, a Historically Black College and University. And so there was that camaraderie. And so everyone was kind of on the same mission. Everybody wanted the other person to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that went from my classmates to, you know, the staff, the teachers, you know, everyone was so involved in your success. Mm -hmm. And I really, really liked that about Howard. And I like Howard's mission of service and Mm -hmm. giving back. That's a biggie for me because a personal mission of mine is to always give back. And, you know, which is why I co-founded a nonprofit that offered dental services to the underserved in these developing countries like my own, like, like Jamaica, I've since stepped down from my role in that organization, but I still continue that mission of giving back. And I loved that Howard kind of was in line with my personal mission. Yeah, that's wonderful. So
0: let's talk about that nonprofit for a while. What was the name of it?
1: It was Dental Helping Hands. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still existing. Myself and two of my classmates co-founded it just on a personal mission of giving back to our countries.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. And so what countries, aside from Jamaica, does it serve?
1: the organization has been to Sudan, Tanzania, Nigeria, Ghana and of course Jamaica. I'm still going to continue going to Jamaica every year and um doing my mission work. Mm-hmm. I am affiliated with the University of the West Indies, the University of Technology and my alma mater Northern Caribbean University. And all the dental students and the dental hygiene students, we come together once per year and we do this big mission trip, this big outreach program where we go into a rural area and we just offer dental services to those who are in need and those who don't have access to care.
0: Yeah that's fantastic. So what type of procedures do you typically do? Is it mostly like fillings, extractions?
1: Yeah you know by the time we get to them because you know these people don't have access to care by the time we get to them it's going to be mostly extractions unfortunately but um, for the kids and teens we typically do like cleanings and fillings. Mm -hmm. but for the most part when we get to the adults it's an extraction situation Mm -hmm. and so when we leave we try to kind of set it up where they can go to a local dentist and possibly get dentures if they need it and so we just don't leave them hanging high and dry sure and so we try to offer them that just kind of a continuity of care
0: yeah fantastic so um i think it was around the time of dental school that you also started a blog is that right Maybe oh man. before.
1: Yeah, before. I've been blogging since 2008 and I've had several blogs over the years. The first blog I had was in undergrad and it was called Climb, Reach, Achieve. It was kind of a motivational type blog and it was more so for myself than anybody else. I used my blog kind of as a, an online journal. But the cool thing about blogging is that because it's online, it opens you up to other people. Mm -hmm. And so while I was doing it more so for personal reasons, other people started finding my blog and started, you know, reaching out, commenting, emailing, and saying how much the blog has helped them or encouraged them on a bad day. So that was that blog, the Climb, Reach, Achieve blog. After that, when I got into dental school, I started another blog called Student Diaries. Mm -hmm. And it pretty much chronicled my entire journey through dental school from the application process to graduation. And again, it was my personal journal. But people ended up finding it and they use the information and they've come to tell me whether in person or via email that my blog helped them to you know know the right steps to get into dental school and all my personal journey always somehow ends up inspiring somebody
0: I I think that's so cool and it's interesting because from what I've heard from you before in, in previous interviews is that you describe yourself as somewhat as an introvert so what made you take that initial step to put your personal sort of diaries or journaling out there in the world.
1: Oh man, it's interesting. You're not the first person that mentioned that to me. I am an introvert, but a lot of people think otherwise. I guess because my I put myself out there kind of online, everybody thinks, "Oh, you're so extroverted, you're so outgoing," but it's actually the opposite. I write because, you know, that's my form of expression. But I'm a true, true introvert. I guess the side effect of writing online is that you get some kind of attention, right? Mm-hmm. And then that pushes you to be a little bit more extroverted.
0: Gotcha. So it's yeah. sort of coming out of your shell maybe yeah, in, in a exact- way? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Do you find after you do a blog post, you're sort of just exhausted and you want some quiet time after you put it out there or does the blogging help you recharge your batteries
1: the blogging does help to recharge my batteries it's the interacting in person and the talking and the meeting people and the going out in crowds that's what drains me after a full day at the office, mm-hmm. it's not the actual orthodontic procedures that exhaust me, it's the interaction.
0: <laughs> and we have a lot of interaction throughout we the day. We have a lot of interaction. So, sometimes I come home to my wife, Nicole, and I just, I just don't want to talk because I've spoken to so many people, yeah. you know, I see 60, 70 patients a day oh, and yeah. talk to the parents and talking to your team members. Yeah. And you know, answering however many questions and oh, man. making so many decisions throughout the day. Your brain is fire all day.
1: Yeah. But um that sounds like it's all normal and that's the case for everyone. But it's like that for me with even just one interaction for the day where I'm talking for a, a nice ten minutes. After that I just need to sit somewhere and just kind of
0: <laughs> So after recharge. this podcast, you're gonna go take a nap, basically. Oh yeah.
1: Pretty much. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to drain you, Patrice. Let's talk a little bit about, I think what's really cool about you getting into the the blogging is that you really sort of cultivated your own voice. And, and what I love from following you is, you know, you have so much great advice in terms of personal development, professional development, wellness, a lot of these topics, you know, and you're so well spoken on it. Do you think that doing all this blogging really helped with, with developing that voice?
1: Uh, yeah, it did. And, you know, any any blog that I start, it's usually for personal reasons, right? It's usually whatever I write about is um, from personal experience, and it's probably what I need help with at the time. My current blog, The Unorthodox, um, I started that one because I had just finished dental school, and now I'm getting into the space where it's like, okay, we're going to talk about career, we're going to talk about personal and professional development, a little bit of financial, you know, development as well. That was a space I was in. I'm still in that space. And so that's what I wanted to talk about. And, you know, the side effect of putting that kind of information out there is that it ends up helping someone else, too. And it's Which pretty is cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And so I started my social media channel, my social media page, my Instagram, just because my blog needed a, a social media attachment.
0: Presence or uh, whatever present, you want to call whatever. it. Whatever. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and so it was kind of a way to kind of put my blog information out there. Mm hmm. And that's how people end up finding the blog. And, you know, and some people found the blog and then found my Instagram. And yes, it's apparently helped a lot of people because they've they've messaged me, they've emailed me to tell me so. I've never set out to, you know, be a voice for anyone else but myself. But it, it ends up happening that it, it's helped some other people, too.
0: Yeah. It's interesting how sort of like one thing led to another, right? So you started off with the blogging that led into Instagramming, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Did that roll in with like your practice too?
1: Yeah. Interesting. So the Instagram, I started getting all types of people starting to follow. And the cool thing is patients started finding me.
0: That's and great.
1: That's great. So um, I remember I was in Ohio at one of my associate jobs and I had several patients come in a consultation and say, hey, I made an appointment for a consultation because I saw you on Instagram and I like your personality. I mean, of course, you're an orthodontist so I know you're going to do a good job (laughs) ortho-wise, but we're really choosing you because you're relatable. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, is really cool and interesting. It's, It's interesting how I guess um, marketing has turned into something completely different nowadays.
0: Yeah, I think it's become more commonplace for doctors now to maybe talk a little bit more about their personal life, because when I came out of dental school, which was a while back, 2005, it was still like a little bit taboo, I guess, maybe to Mm -hmm. just like talk about you would have your bio and then you'd have like two sentences. You have your spouse and your kids and your dog you had mentioned, but you know, you wouldn't really get too much into maybe your hobbies or your interests. And I think people really want to see that now. It's like forms yeah. like a connection maybe with them. Yeah, it does. I see that in my practice today, my patients would come in and they would
1: say, hey, um, so I saw you went to so-and-so this weekend or you did so-and-so. That's really cool because I love that too. And um, and so we kind of bond over different things like um, travel or whatever my hobbies may be. Or the fact that I just had a newborn and then I have my moms come in yeah. and then we we kind of share information and some things they help me with and some things I help them with. It's really, really cool. So it becomes more than just patients. They become kind of like friends and family.
0: Which is awesome. And, yeah. it, and it's almost like, almost like a little bit of networking, too. In a way, it is. Right? Yeah.
1: There are a few of my patients that have led me to some mommy groups around town that I otherwise wouldn't have known about. And mm. so, yeah, it's really cool. Some people, they don't believe in putting their personal life on social media. But just be a little bit open-minded to it. You know, it it really does help.
0: Stay with us for more of my conversation with Dr. Patrice Smith after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Kind support for this podcast comes from Lightforce Orthodontics. Lightforce was co-founded by orthodontist Dr. Alfred Griffin, and is one of the fastest growing companies in orthodontics. Lightforce provides a digital platform to fully customize 3D printed tooth moving tools. They've recently launched the world's first fully custom 3D printed translucent bracket. And with their revolutionary face map technology, you can even plan for optimal aesthetics and smile arc by incorporating a digital scan of your patient's face. Complete customization enables your cases to not only finish faster, but with even better results. Head over to lightforceortho.com to request your demo today. Welcome back to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. So what I love about your blog and your Instagram page is that it's just so cohesive in terms of the branding and it's got a great aesthetic to it. Are there certain websites or apps you use to sort of develop that personal style
1: I use Canva. Can you reveal the
0: secrets? Canva, Uh, okay, that's a good one. I
1: use Canva a lot just for my design. Mm -hmm. It's really, really helpful. It's kind of being a designer without having to know code, (laughs) without coding. It's really easy It's kind of plug and play.
0: Yeah, explain Canva a little bit more. So it's a design app, right? Yeah, it's
1: a design app. And you have a bunch of different templates. There are templates for Instagram. There are templates for Instagram in-feed posts and stories. And there's Facebook and There are all types of templates for anything that you may need. So it
0: makes it easier because I guess in the past you would have to do Photoshop or... uh, no, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, like InDesign or or some of the different Adobe apps. And and Canva just probably makes it just much uh, more intuitive.
1: Yeah, definitely. So much easier than a Photoshop that it has a steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. Like anybody can do Canva. It's kind of plug and play.
0: That's cool. I have to start using Canva. I do everything just, you know basically through instagram or whatever so yeah
1: yeah definitely try it
0: and i'll get the cool look
1: yeah and then everything can be on brand and on theme in terms of color and style and all that
0: Mm -hmm. cool yeah well i think it was around the time of maybe your dental school that you developed a side hustle
1: yeah my candle company
0: yeah tell us about your candle company
1: you know um i love 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 scented candles it's kind of an obsession it might be unhealthy at this point, <laughs> but I love scented candles. I really like the the really nice, bougie, expensive ones, like a Diptyque or a Voluspa. But those are pricey.
0: Yeah, I haven't even heard of those. I'll be honest. I'm I'm sort of basic with my candle knowledge, so it's like a I don't know a Yankee candle. Hey, uh, yeah, Yankee's nice. Are, are they? Yeah. So. so- you know what's like a like a real fancy bougie candle go for?
1: You know some can be upwards of sixty, or some can be upwards of a hundred dollars.
0: Wow! Oh yeah. Wow. Candles for a candle. A, oh yeah.
1: It's a it's they a must, whole... <laughs> They must smell
0: exquisite. <laughs>
1: most of them do. Um, most of them, is, you know, it's just the brand, <laughs> brand recognition, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I love candles, and you know, when I was in dental school, I always wanted my apartment smelling really nice. I always have these candles burning, but they got to be a bit pricey. And I don't know about you, but when I was in dental school, I was broke. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I couldn't so, afford $100 candles, that's it, for sure.
1: Yeah. And so I had this bright idea one day say, hey, I love candles so much and I have to keep buying them. How about I try to make them instead? And so I researched it online, bought all these little things to make my own candles. And I made them and they were great. And then my sister came to my apartment one time and she saw my candles. Where did you get those? I used to, oh, I made them. And she said, well, can you make me one? I'm like, yeah, sure. And of course, my sister tells my mom, who then asked for some. And then my mom tells, you know how moms are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> moms spread the word. And so my mom told all her friends and all her family members. And the next thing you know, everyone was requesting candles. And then their friends told their friends. And it became this whole thing where I was making candles for pretty much all my friends and family at one point. And then I thought, hey, why don't I turn this into a business? And so that's how Unorthodox Candle Company was born.
0: Awesome. And you mentioned that name, Unorthodox. Where where does it come from?
1: Oh, man. So Unorthodox is kind of my personal brand name Mm -hmm. because, well, obviously I'm an orthodox, right? You know, earlier in my career, people would ask me a lot, well, you're an orthodontist. Why do you want to blog? Why do you want to do candles? Why do you want to do all these different things? I mean, just stick to ortho. And my response, you know, always in defense is always, well, I can be more than one thing, right? I can be a little bit different. For sure. I can be a little unorthodox. And so that how, that's uh-huh. how the name. That's how it came yes, together. That's how it came together. Unorthodox.
0: I love it. But, you know, I think you're in some ways you pursue different creative outlets like I do with music or yeah. podcasting. And, you know, you can do multiple things besides just dentistry and teeth and orthodontics, right? You
1: can be multi-passionate.
0: There you go. Multi-passionate. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> So going back to the candles, how is a candle even made?
1: Oh, wow. You get wax. And in particular, I use soy okay. because it burns clean and it's um, non-toxic. It doesn't let off that soot in the air. And, you know, the other candles that we know of that uses paraffin, it lets off that soot that's actually a carcinogen. Oh, and so yes, I That's bad for you. Yeah, that's bad for you. It's bad for, you know, indoor air quality. And so I wanted to use soy because that's clean, mm-hmm. right? And so, I use a soy wax, and I use my fragrance, which is also organic, you know, phthalate-free. And even my wicks that I use is all cotton. Um, so, everything's all natural and all clean. Oh. Yeah. So,
0: what are maybe some of the other wicks made out of? Diff-
1: um, some are made out of, like, different material, like even cloth or... Um, Something wax-based. Okay. But mine is cotton. Cotton. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
0: Very cool. Well, I have to say, I've, I've purchased a couple of your candles for the office. My favorite is Good Vibes.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a bestseller. That's pretty much everyone's favorite.
0: And can't remember exactly what's in it. Maybe pineapple, sage. Yep. What else?
1: Mango, tangerine. Man- yeah. So it has a whole tropical vibe going for it.
0: Oh, it's amazing. I, I have to tell you, every time we burn the Good Vibes candle in the office, I, I think we get like six or eight starts that day. <laughs> if it's a regular candle... We're getting two starts, but there's something about the good vibes that it, brings, it gets my it team all going. Good vibes. The patients want to start. It's amazing.
1: Awesome. It has all the good vibes, right?
0: All the good vibes, all the good for vibes. sure. Yeah. Maybe at some point we need an illuminate unorthodox collab uh, candle. Can that would be great.
1: Off. Yeah, yeah that would be awesome. Let's do it. Let's do
0: it. Can, can I request oh, rum flavored? Can you oh, do rum? Oh,
1: definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm from the islands too. Let's do it. Let's do, I'll, I'll start researching it now. I don't
0: now. know what goes with rum. I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to work on that one. We'll work on it. Awesome. Cool. So speaking of good vibes in the practice, let's talk about your new practice, Infinity Orthodontics.
1: Yeah. My practice, I purchased an existing practice in mm-hmm. September of 2020. And, you know, it's been interesting. It's been a whirlwind, you know, because mm-hmm. it's so much. A lot of people don't realize how much... Work is involved in practice ownership, but it's been great at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting purchasing a practice in the middle of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, what was that like? Oh, Probably a little scary. It
1: was a little scary. I started purchasing my practice actually in the fall of 2019. <laughs> if all things went well, I'd have been a practice owner back in April of 2020. But then the pandemic Which would hit, and really March. scary, right? Just oh man, to... it all worked out so nicely because if it had worked out that way, that you know, I was. So antsy, because the process to me was taking a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In a perfect world, we would have wrapped up around February of 2020. And then that means I would have gotten the practice right as the pandemic hit, right? Mm-hmm. But it worked out so that it was pushed back a little bit to April. And then the pandemic hit in March. March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of pumped the brakes on that for a little while. Kind of reconsidered. <laughs> Just because of all the uncertainty. Sure, sure. I wasn't sure what was going to happen with dentistry you know
0: well yeah everything was closed down yeah do you, th- do you think in a way that helped maybe get a better price on the practice or it did yeah. it
1: did i got a little bit of a covid discount COVID discount. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so that worked out nicely yeah the practice kind of depreciated a little bit just because it was closed um for three months but then we picked back up and the negotiations in july mm-hmm. and ended up wrapping that up in september and then that's when i took over
0: So why did you decide to purchase an existing practice over maybe doing a a startup?
1: I was looking into the downtown D.C. area. And so there's not a lot of room Mm -hmm. (laughs) left to pretty much do a whole startup. There's some, of course. So that was one. And then two, I was weighing my options of kind of my bills. And D.C. is a very expensive city. Mm -hmm. And so I know know, rent and all the other costs was going to be high. And so if I did a startup... I was worried about getting that revenue to kind of pay all the bills from, you know, the get-go. It worked out so nicely that I ended up finding an existing practice with a doctor that was ready to get out. And that was a, a nice practice that I really liked. And it was doing really well in terms of the numbers. And so... You know it it worked out nicely i went the practice acquisition route because it was a ready-made patient base ready made ready cash flow cash flowing yeah yeah and that was a big deal for me
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense that's probably the primary reason i think for purchasing something over maybe doing a startup
1: yeah for sure
0: so how did that transition go with the existing team members
1: it actually went well there were four team members that ended up transitioning with me Um, it worked out nicely and they ended up keeping their jobs. I ended up liking them, and so Great. I kept them. <laughs> and you know, they're very, very well-trained. They each have over 10 years of experience working in the ortho field. Um, most of them are actually dentists in their countries. Um, my staff are, they're from the Philippines and Iran. Mm-hmm. And so they were doctors before they migrated to the United States. They didn't want to be doctors here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so But they do have all the experience and so it worked out really nicely. The transition was smooth and seamless, and I'm so grateful.
0: Stay with us. You're listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. Kind support for this podcast comes from Fishbine Fundamentals. Dr. Ben Fishbein invites you and your team members to beautiful Pensacola Beach, Florida, I've personally attended this in-office course on several occasions, and it's amazing to help with practice growth. Dr. Ben and the Fish Ortho team will grant you an all access pass to their marketing strategies, simplify new patient procedures, and efficient clinical systems. Best of all, you're able to go behind the scenes and observe the Fish Ortho team on an actual patient day. The next course is set for September 10th and 11th. Reserve your spot today at fishbindfundamentals.com. Welcome back to my conversation with Dr. Patrice Smith. So when we were chatting before, you mentioned that you have more of like an adult-based practice.
1: I do. Being in downtown D.C., that's just the Mm demographics. You know, most of my patients, you know, they work on Capitol Hill or any kind of government role, and Diplomats so and exactly like work at the embassies and so and so forth. And so I get mostly adult patients. Um, 80% of my practice is about adults. And then that same 80% are clear aligner patients. Mm-hmm. Maybe about 20% are kids and teens. Yep.
0: So you're doing a lot of, I assume you're using Invisalign.
1: I'm doing a lot of Invisalign. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, with my patient base, um, them being lawyers and whatnot, they're very, very, very exacting.
0: Oh, I have a few of those. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, very particular patients.
1: Oh, yeah. Fun times. But it helps. It helps, you know, to make sure that you're on point. It helps to develop your skill set. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel even within the last five years, the degree of particular patients has just gone up. And I don't know what it is, but people never really stared at their teeth as much. So I don't know if it's all the... Uh, it's the Zoom effect. Yeah, the Zoom meetings, right? <laughs> yeah. During COVID yeah, or just definitely. like constant selfies, but... Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I have patients come in and they suddenly whip out their camera roll and they're scrolling back mm-hmm. and like, well, I really liked how my teeth looked in 2016. Oh, yeah. It's like, I like how I looked in 2016 too, but uh-huh. <laughs> we're, yeah, I have we're a, all getting I, older. We're all <laughs> Things getting change. older.
1: Things shift around. I have a lot of those patients too. They want to roll the clock back, right? Yeah. Sometimes they pull up Instagram for me and say, I want this smile.
0: Oh, I get that too, right? Uh-huh. Where they'll point out different celebrities yeah. and and it's like well your teeth aren't exactly the same right?
1: yeah it's interesting to work with but it's a welcome challenge
0: yeah yeah i'm okay with it too i don't get too frustrated by it i sort of expect it now it's just yeah i know i'm rolling into that in the morning so
1: you know what is interesting because my adult patients take a lot more of my time and effort than the kids you know you think oh, yeah. you'd have a lot of patients with the kids but it's the opposite. It's the adults. It's
0: the adults. Yeah. My kids are easy. Yeah. The kids don't ask any questions or like, no, nope, good. They're out the door. They just and want to go you know get, what?
1: The kids are never in so much, quote unquote, pain either. I know. Oh, my. My adults, man. I know. <laughs> Everything hurts. Everything hurts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everything rubs and scratches. Yeah. And yeah. Pokes. Yeah. Yeah um for sure <laughs> yeah so we were talking a little bit yesterday about invisalign and you were thinking about maybe going to in-house aligners at a certain point
1: at a certain point yeah as a new practice and being 80 percent clear aligners it's pretty pricey you know at this point i'm i think i'm gold status with invisalign is i get a little bit of a discount but it's it's not a lot yeah, it's, so, it's
0: interesting how Invisalign sort of um, uh, like like stacks it towards the people that are doing the highest volume, uh-huh. right? Because yeah. I I think I'm on a, a diamond practice and oh, we nice. get 38 percent lab fee discount or whatever, but. You know, you take think that, 38% over 18. I know, 18. you think they'd be a little more accommodating <laughs> to people with a startup practice or a smaller practice that are, you know, getting going. And, and maybe they're driving some of these new users towards uh, in-house. either in-house aligners yeah. or some of the other alternative companies, like whether yeah. it's uh, Spark or Reveal, some yeah. of the other products out there.
1: That would be my interpretation because that's where I'm looking now because my lab bill for Invisalign is so high that i'm now looking to go the in-house aligner route mm. i've spoken extensively with dr brian lockhart never um, heard of that guy never heard of him bro <laughs> everybody knows brian <laughs> oh Mac. you worked
0: yourself onto another podcast <laughs> oh man he's but g- yeah. he's gonna be dancing around when he <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he's been encouraging me and kind of helping me get on the in-house aligner train with ULab lab and the sword so i'm looking into that route possibly my one-year anniversary this fall
0: So if you get a 3D printer, have you thought about which one you're going to get?
1: Yeah, my husband actually been doing some research on the different types of 3D printers. I kind of delegated that job to him. (laughs) Fair enough. And he's spoken with BMAC too. I think they ironed out which one I should go with, especially as a new practice. I think we went somewhere in the middle, one that's not too expensive, but then the lower cost one is too slow. But I think we're right in the middle. I can't remember the name of it.
0: And I saw on your website that in the past you were doing SureSmile.
1: I was, yeah. I was a SureSmile provider. And I love SureSmile. I do. I just don't do it in my practice now. I did it in my previous previous practices where i was an associate but now i'm looking into the light force direction
0: oh yeah light force we had alfred on the podcast recently
1: yeah i need to listen to that episode actually it's the next one that's queued up (laughs) there um, you go yeah but i'm looking in that direction just because of the customization i don't have a lot of patients that want to go the bracket and wire route, but the few that I do have, I want to spend less time wire bending
0: (laughs) and repositioning. No, for sure. And, And I'm a new Lightforce user. I've done maybe five cases. And what I really like about it, you know, it's more... Computer time or upfront time. Uh, yeah, but it's front loaded. It's front loaded for sure. But mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, I think it's going to reduce some of that wire bending and repositioning. And time, right? And chair time. Yeah,
1: it makes you more efficient.
0: Yeah. And, you know, at least in Florida, the assistants can do the indirect bonding. So, mm-hmm. you know, I come over at the end, just double check everything. But I mean, that saves time there too. Definitely. Um, just, you know, moving brackets around before we set them. So.
1: Oh, yeah. That's sweet. Like right now, I'm spending a lot of time wire bending. I took over a practice. So a lot of the patients are in the finishing stages. And so I'm doing a lot of wire bending and a lot of repositioning. And it's taken a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. I go back and forth on, you know, whether I'm going to reposition brackets or bend wire. And I think right now I'm in more of a repositioning phase. Every six months I change, but the the tough thing is like if you do a lot of wire bends and you have all these different artistic bends in the wire and trying to get the patient finished up, and then they go for like a hygiene visit or the wire snaps. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, and you just (laughs) and like trying to recreate that.
1: Oh, it's It's a nightmare. It's just so difficult. It is. Um, I had a patient recently that I did all these beautiful bends on. I was finishing her up. Then she went for cleaning. And then they popped a few brackets. I was so aggravated. Uh, I just ended up repositioning. So I'm in that phase where you are now. I'm just going to reposition everybody.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I I think that's sort of the great promise of digital. And, you know, to be fair, I have to see how these cases finish up, too. But just especially getting back to what we were saying about these, like, really exacting, perfectionist patients. Mm What I like about doing a digital setup is if they're wanting their lateral incisors to have a certain particular amount of torque or their canines to be, you know, tucked in a certain kind of way, you can do that in advance on the setup. Exactly. Um, And, you know, not that you can't do this chair side and not that you can't do it in more of your traditional Finishing sort of stages. I wish I had the wonderful results of someone like a Stu Frost
1: or um, a <laughs> uh, Neil Kravitz. Neil Kravitz, for that matter. Yeah.
0: I think I'm decent at placing brackets. I think I'm decent at finishing cases, but times when we go and we take the brackets off, if you get a scan or an impression on the patient, and I don't know, I see things that maybe I did not see chair side in terms of marginal yeah. ridges or, uh, you know, maybe yeah. premolars a little rotated. Especially and, those premolars. Yeah, premolars exactly. They can be be tough.
1: Those are are tough for me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and I feel like my top reposition at my pan repo appointment is the lower fours or sometimes the lower laterals are Mm -hmm. off. And, you know, that's what I think is really cool about digital is that you do that IDB setup. You have just more time to look at it than running over chair side. You have another consult waiting for you. Two other adjustments. You're just trying to get the brackets on as quickly as possible. That's what I think is really cool about digital. Likewise. Any other digital systems or technologies you're looking at recently?
1: Yeah, I'm actually trying to transition my practice to all digital. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's where I think. You're
0: speaking my language. Yeah,
1: that's where I think everything's going anyway. Yeah. And so I'm now looking into Embrace.
0: Embrace, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, just had a chat with John Pham. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really cool behind-the-teeth braces. They don't really want to be perceived as a lingual system, but behind-the-teeth. Behind-the-teeth, okay. Yeah, but I think their smart wire technology seems really cool.
1: Yeah, I haven't done any myself, and so I've scheduled a demo, And I think that's coming up this week at my practice. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really looking to go in that route. I've heard really great things about it. I've seen really great results from it. And my patients are requesting it. And so. Oh, great. They're coming
0: in asking for embrace.
1: Well, not embrace in particular. They're coming in asking for behind the The teeth teeth or lingual. They don't say lingual, behind the teeth braces. Mm -hmm. Because some of them say, well, you know, I can still see the Invisalign. (laughs) Those exacting patients, right?
0: (laughs) The ones that fight you to put attachments on the front teeth. Oh,
1: yeah. They don't want it. I'm yeah, like, how am I supposed to move your teeth? <laughs> the magic wand. They're just
0: straightened, right? Take this pill. You'll have straight teeth.
1: Yeah. The fun the fun ones are my brides who say, like, well, can you take my attachments off for my wedding and then put them back on when I'm done? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: I, I'm so used to that. I don't know. I'm just like, all right, whatever. Yeah. We'll do it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is like when you really have a patient that's pushing back on the attachments is I'll be like, okay, let's put the bottom attachments on first mm-hmm. and give it a month and see yeah. how you do do and then we can put the top attachments on
1: yeah i've done that too or do the posterior attachments and yeah, then yeah. work our way to the interior
0: i use the analogy it's like certain people have to go like one toe at a time yeah. into the hot tub and yeah. then some people just jump right in yeah uh, i think a lot of those people were just like come on you can, <laughs> you do, can it. do it come you on. can do this it's gonna be okay <laughs>
1: it's gonna be fine you know like i told you about my kid patients they're fine they jump right in i know right yeah They're like, yeah, let's do it. Come on.
0: (laughs) The challenges of treating adults. yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. It can be tough.
0: For sure. So I heard you mention recently on social media that while you were pregnant, you felt like you were basically nurturing your two babies. And I thought that was sort of like a great analogy. Talk to me a little bit about the challenges of A, being pregnant, B, trying to like run a practice and be the CEO of a business. And then, you know, maybe the challenges of being a new mom and running a practice.
1: Oh, man. It's been an interesting 10 months, right? (laughs) So right as I purchased my practice in September of 2020, a few weeks after that, we found out we were pregnant. And so the entire time that I've had my practice open, I've been pregnant. And the first few months were the toughest because you have all the sickness and the nausea, the tiredness, Mm. and you're trying to be on top of everything. So that was pretty tough. We transitioned to the second trimester, which was a little bit easier. And then the third was a little harder, Mm -hmm. you know, and then here comes the newborn. And now it's even harder to juggle that time. So it's been an interesting balancing act. But fortunately, I have help. My mom is here. And so she allows me to get some sleep sometimes. <laughs> but you know, it is nurturing two babies and kind of liken it to. You know, all the things that we have to juggle, we can, I kind of liken them to, like, you have some balls that you juggle, You then some are glass and some are plastic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can allow the ones that are plastic to fall. You know, like my blogging. It's good analogy. It's yeah. Like, yeah, like my blogging. You know, that kind of slowed down some. Mm-hmm. That was a plastic ball, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just have to make sure that the glass balls stay afloat. Mm-hmm. The glass walls right now are my practice and my newborn baby. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, that makes total sense. So you just really yeah. have to focus your attention maybe get a little more efficient with your time, would you say?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. After work, I usually stay back an hour or two just to get my clean checks done, a lot of different admin stuff. I find myself doing that stuff throughout the day so that mm-hmm. when five o'clock hits, I am out because, you know, I have my second full-time job to go to. <laughs> yeah, And so it definitely makes me more efficient and it's such a delicate balance your focus becomes a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I find myself being a little bit more direct, a little bit more driven too. Mm -hmm. I don't have as much time to waste, Mm -hmm. so I procrastinate less. And so it's actually been good thing
0: good thing yeah. yeah so when you come out maybe on the other end of it and your son's a little bit older yeah perhaps you'll just be more efficient with your time more and efficient like yeah. probably
1: a better clinician too because i don't have time to rebend this wire next time so i'm gonna bend it right the first time
0: there you go <laughs> <laughs> i love it so now that we're recording this in july of 2021 and covid restrictions are starting to ease a little bit people are getting back to like a, a normal life and traveling i know you and your husband reggie love to travel what yeah. are some of your favorite spots you've been to
1: oh man so we got married in italy in lake como italy wow. so that's currently our fave we were supposed to have our anniversary How can that not be your favorite oh my gosh it was so beautiful it was a fairy tale <laughs> but um, we had plans to have our anniversary last year back in lake como of course covid hit mm-hmm. and so we planned to have it in 2021 and then awesome. we have a newborn. <laughs> so it's probably going to be next year before we can go back to Lake Como. Mm-hmm. But we have the go-ahead from our pediatrician. Braxton can travel at four months. So we're waiting. There we go. <laughs> oh, that's great. We're waiting for October to come so we can finally take a vacation.
0: So what are maybe some of the favorite countries you've been to in the past or favorite trips?
1: Oh, man. So right before COVID hit last year, we went to Cartagena in Colombia. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of my faves. Awesome. You know, it was so beautiful. And the food the food was everything.
0: Really? What's the food like in Colombia?
1: Oh, man. So my it's a lot of seafood that mm-hmm. we ended up having. A lot of um, plantains. Plantains? Yeah, plantains. I mostly love the seafood. The okay. seafood was amazing. The flavors are just divine.
0: Colombia in, in the last maybe, I don't know, five years has become quite the like hotspot for travel.
1: Especially Cartagena. Everyone's yeah. been going to Cartagena. It's so beautiful. I would actually live there.
0: Would you? Yeah. Okay, there we go. Infinity Orthodontics of Columbia. Hey. You you... got District of Columbia, and then you can have regular Uh, Columbia.
1: Oh, (laughs) I like how you put that together. (laughs) Hey, you never know. You never know.
0: You never know. Yeah. Awesome. So besides Lake Como, any other spots that you and and your husband, Reggie, are just like dying to go visit?
1: In 2020, we had plans. We were going to go to Morocco. We were going to do a Southeast Asia tour. And we never got to do any of that. So those are still on the list. There's so many places that we have plan to go to Portugal was one of them because that's relatively easy to get to so many places that's on our list yeah
0: I know we were all looking forward to the AAO 2022 in Hawaii which... I was so
1: looking forward to it yeah and now it's canceled it's canceled <laughs> but
0: Miami I think is going to be fun it's relatively local for me it's about a four-hour drive from the Tampa area down to yeah. Florida so I will be there for sure I hope you're there as well
1: I plan to be Miami is always a good idea
0: there you go Thanks so much for listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. If you like the show, please take a second to click subscribe. Also, I'd really appreciate if you could share this show with your friends. Until next time, this is Chris Seta, signing off.